Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 56? Going through a trial, it's always a good time to trust. There's never a bad time to trust in the Lord. So let's look at this together. Extract a few ideas and sentences from the overall psalm. First of all, here is this from David, his cry to Almighty God. Now, again, I'm probably one verse ahead of you from the Hebrew. So if I'm in verse two, you're in verse one and so forth. For the conductor, on uh, the silent dove in, in distant lands of David, a michtam, uh, a contemplative saying. Sometimes that term is translated an engraving, something that stays, that commemorates something. When the Philistines seized him in Gath, it's interesting that God would inspire a prayer. The word of God is inspired and psalms or prayers that become songs and that God would inspire the prayer and the prayer covers the, the spectrum of emotions. So God knows, God understands. Now this, this is based on what happened to David in uh, 1 Samuel 21. We had already studied that, or re referenced that passage in an earlier Psalm that we looked at not long ago. But to refresh our memories, he's running from Saul, David is, and he goes to Ahimelech, the priest in Nob, and he asks for bread for him and those who are with him. Priest says there's nothing here but consecrated bread, but it's old, and we've got some new fresh bread so you can have the consecrated bread. Then he asked if he had a weapon. He said, no, the only thing I have is the sword of Goliath. David said, that's a, that's a good sword. I'll take that one. So he took the sword of Goliath, and now he, fleeing from Saul, goes to uh, Gath, the land of the Philistines. The king there, his servants, recognizes David. They said, this is the guy that they say Saul kills his thousands and David kills his tens of thousands. This is that David character. And it's in that story, it's in that account where, where David pretends to be a madman, thus to escape uh, a rather uncomfortable situation. So this is, he's in Gath. He's, he's, been, he's been discovered and so very dangerous people are watching him. 
and they're closing in on him. So this is his prayer. He cries out to God, verse, my verse two, be gracious or, or show favor to me, God, because men yearn to swallow me. That's that Hebrew verb is translated various ways, but it means they, they mean to do him in, to consume him. All day long, the warrior oppresses me. So he's, the, the king's men, the king's warriors, these guys, they're tough, they're serious minded, and they're watching him and closing in on him, probably making threats, uh, saying things to him. And thus he says, my enemies are those who watch me with, in an insidious fashion, always watching me, hound me all day long. For there are many who fight against me most high. Now the word for most high there is not the word that you think of generally. Uh, the, the word... The, the word talks about one who is higher than the other guy. It's, it's, it's not like, oh, most high, like El Elyon, the almighty most high God. It's a different reference to God here. And he, he calls God the one who, can, who, who is bigger and taller and... and, and and, and capable of getting him out of this mess. Most high. Uh, high. The one who is highest of everybody who is here. Nobody can fight you. Nobody can stand against you. There are a lot of them who can fight against me, but I'm appealing to you because you are higher than everybody else. So it's a little bit different reference to God. It's an interesting reference that David uses. And... It reveals his utter confidence in the fact that, that, that God can tend to this situation in any way that he wants to, any time that he wants to. So with that in mind, David confesses the confidence that he has. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. David is a courageous man but he has known fear. Many times he would lead his men into battle, but before he did, he sought the Lord to make sure that this battle was the right thing. It was the right battle. Didn't want to kill his, didn't want to put his men in danger unnecessarily. Didn't want to just attack people without cause unless the Lord let it. Of course, those many times the Lord would say, the battle is yours. I've given you the enemy. They belong to you. Go after them. Go get it. He has learned in his experiences, he's not the king yet. But already in the times that he has been afraid and he's been on skirmishes already. And then, of course, he's had to dodge Saul and even watch Saul when he was in Saul's court because Saul 
in a, in a, a moment of, of, of craze and anger, for example, would throw a spear at him, try to kill him. So he understood, but he also understood that when he was afraid, trust in God kicked in. Well, why? Because God in his word has made promises to David. In God, I will praise his word. I have put my trust in God. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Now, he's outnumbered. He's trapped, sort of. He's in Gath. Um, it would not be an easy escape. He's been recognized, and they're flushing him out. They're watching him, and they're closing in, and they're intimidating, and their threats are real. I'm sure they intend to kill him. But God, he's not on the throne yet, and yet God has promised him a throne. So he's going to trust God, and he says, you know, this is a mess. I'm in a mess, but it's not a mess to God. God's made a promise about me. He's going to deliver me, so I'm just not going to be afraid of what flesh can do to me. So he's very confident, and he confesses that confidence in his prayer. Now he, he rails against the enemies that are coming against him, evil, uh, evil people. All day long, they twist my words against me. All their thoughts about me are for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps, or they watch everything, every step that he does. They lie on wait for my life. For iniquity will they escape? Bring down nations in anger, God. Okay, so there's, there's, there's nothing that he can say that will convince people that he, he's, he's not there for any evil purpose. Nothing he can say. Matter of fact, whatever he says, he says here, they twist it and use it against him. And he knows, now these are the devil's folks. The devil's, you know, David at that moment carries the promise of the Christ. And this is part of the, the, the line of covenant uh, that, that God has established. And of course the devil knows this. So here are the devil's folks, these Philistines, these, these in Gath. And they have, they have no kind thought at all about David. It, it doesn't matter what his excuses are or who might, come, who might come as a witness for him or anything. It doesn't matter. Their thoughts are only evil for him. So as such, here's this, uh, here's this hiding and gathering and watching and and closing in, just waiting for the moment when they know they can kill him. So David asks the question, and this is in his prayer, God, you're going to let him escape being iniquitous, being evil? You're going to let them get away with this? Of course not. Your judgment is against those who, in this case, it's uh, the word is a, is a general term 
that is, that is not just a term for, for Gentiles, but it's just a term for people who come under the judgment of God. So he says, bring down nations or bring down these people in anger, God. This is worthy of your judgment. This is something that needs to be judged because they have despised your word. They've lied and, and twisted my words and they are conspiring against me and they're making me look utterly evil and they are full of evil and iniquity and their only job is to kill me and to undermine your word in which is the covenant which you have made to me. You're gonna, they can't escape. David is, it's sort of a rhetorical question. It's impossible for these people to escape knowing God and knowing the word that he has established, the covenant he's made with David. So therefore, the conclusion has to be this. They are under your judgment. So I know you're going to bring them down, God. I believe your word. And I, you've, you've delivered me too many times. You, you, never, you never fail in your purpose. So I know then that your judgment is on these people. Now he moves from that to expressing and showing how he has confidence, not just in God, but in the power of God. And I've, I've given an expanded translation to a couple of words here uh, because they're, they're powerful words. If you just say you counted my wanderings or the times that I've been out here and, and I've, I've, I've run down this path and hidden in that cave and gone over in that field and, and I hid in the weeds and all this stuff running from Saul, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't give the impact of the statement that he makes here. You counted my wanderings, and he's talking about the word references wanderings that, that are aimless and have grieved him. He doesn't know really what to do except to run from Saul, and in this case, run from the Philistines. And the feeling comes, this this word is a word that talks about somebody who is wandering because he's been rejected and he doesn't have any place to go. So here's David. He can't go back to Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He's parted ways with his dear friend Jonathan who has given him the warning that has caused him to leave. And if he goes somewhere that he would call home, the king Saul would know that and he would certainly come after him there. So he has to evade and escape and wander with no home. And now he comes to a place apparently thinking that he would be unknown and he could blend in for a while and just hide out for a while. But now he's recognized and the forces of Satan are against him. So he He's, he's expressing this, this anguish to the Lord in his prayer. He says, you know, you've seen every one of these pathways that I have 
run down in running from Saul and, and these people who, who hate me. As a matter of fact, you've counted my tears and they're in your book. Place my tears in your flask. Catch every tear that I cry. And as you catch them, you'll count them. And you'll keep a record of them. Every tear. It's an interesting thought. There are many books that are opened on that day. The books were open. The book was open. There's a book that has recorded every word that people say, say you know. Then here's this book of tears. Then my enemies will retreat on the day that I cry out to you. I know this because God is for me. He's, he's totally broken and helpless. He can't go back down a path where he's, he can't hide in the same cave again when he was seen. So he has to keep creating new ways to run from Saul. People are turning him in. They're betraying him and, 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 uh, and, and telling Saul where they can find David. And now he can't even blend in with the Philistines because now they've recognized him. So where's he going to go? Filled with anguish. This is a tough spot. But he says, you know, you are watching every tear that falls and you're catching them. And you're counting them. And my grief is recorded in your presence and I know that you are for me. And because of that, my enemies are going to retreat when I cry out to you. In God, I will praise his word. In Yahweh, I will praise his word. In God, I've put my trust. I will not fear what can man do to me. You know, Paul writes it this way in Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? The, the entire Philistine nation couldn't do anything to him. And Saul with his armies couldn't do anything. David is in great anguish. And this, this trial is strengthening his trust in God. God never failed him. It was, it was rough. It was, he even expressed here he was afraid. But he also expressed that when he was afraid, that's what built his trust. In God. And so God would deliver him. And he knows that God even knows the number of tears that he cries. And the reason he is anguished and filled with grief is because he's serving God. So God's for him. God's not going to turn him over to the world because God has a purpose for his life. God is... God has said so. So he's not afraid. Now, the prayer, and you see so many prayers of David like this. He starts out expressing his problem. Sometimes in other Psalms, he gets sassy with God. 
Yeah, you think about that. God inspired the prayer. God gave him the sassy words. But it doesn't take him long by the middle of the prayer to come to a realization that, you know, I'm still here. I'm alive. I've escaped countless situations that I shouldn't have ever escaped from. And then he begins to praise God in those, in those Psalms even before God has delivered him. Because it's just, as, it's just as much of a fact to him before the fact as it would be after the fact because he knows God. God's going to deliver him. So here he is now. This prayer is taking its positive turn. Going to praise your word. Going to watch my enemies retreat. Going to trust in you. Not going to be afraid anymore. What can man do to me? And he would there, I'm sure, have a thought like the Apostle Paul was inspired to write. You are for me. Who can be against me? So he makes this personal commitment at the close of his prayer. Upon me, God, vows made to you are binding. Or vows I've made to you, God, are binding upon me. I will pay thanksgiving offerings or thank offerings to you. Already making plans to praise and thank God for his deliverance when yet he's not delivered just yet. But it's all in past tense to him because he says in verse 14, it's already happened. You've already decreed it. You have delivered my soul from death, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. By the time the episode is over, David just walks, goes right out of there, moves on to the next episode, the next thing. So the prayer that begins in anguish and expresses fear and dread of trial and tribulation closes with great confidence and faith and trust. And in that prayer, because he knows God, he knows that God is going to be God. Take care of him. So it's already a fact in his mind. He's already delivered. He's not going to fall. He will walk in the presence of God in the light of the living. Darkness will not prevail in his life. Well, we're going to stop there and we will have our uh, deacon prayer time.